thank you for your allowing me to be in this pulpit because it is a wonderful place to speak God's word. Thank you for our pastor. Uh, next week we'll be in the book of Isaiah. And in between Philippians and Isaiah, I am putting Psalm chapter 1. Yeah. And it matches both books because it talks about two roads and two destinations in Psalm 1. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 7 said that there are only two roads that mankind follow in this life. I know the world says there are many roads. I pull up behind many times a car and on the back is a bumper sticker that says coexist. And I realize that there's, it represents religious symbols of the world and that there are many, many roads that lead to heaven is the theme of that bumper sticker. And I see it and I said, nope, Jesus is the only way to glory. He's the only way to eternal life. But there are only two roads, Jesus said. He said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And many are those who uh, find it, uh, excuse me, and those who find it are few. He talks about two roads, one's leading to eternal life. He said there there are few that find it. When you look at the entire world and all of its population, it says it's a narrow road. It's a road that you enter through the gate, and Jesus is the gate. He told us that. He's the door. And as you're going into that wonderful kingdom that he has prepared for us, it's a, it's you one at a time, not a group thing. It's you giving your heart to Christ, walking in the truth of Christ, and you going through the door. That's a very narrow door. And it's a way of not just anything goes, but it's God's will. And then there's this very, very broad way called, you know, that that way that's very broad and very easy to get on because you can come in with whatever you want, and it's your way and not God's way. And the end thereof, of course, is eternal destruction. And Christ paints this picture of two roads. That's why he's so wonderful, because he is the one that brings us on to the great way of life eternal. So today as we start, we're going to look at, first of all, the road to eternal blessings. And that's the first road that we come to in this passage in Psalm chapter 1. Now you don't have to understand, think about Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, the first Psalm, Psalm 1, is a gateway Psalm. There's 150 Psalms. And this is the Psalm that leads you into all of the rest. And it's very wonderfully laid out by the master and it's a it's a psalm that i look and say lord i don't care how old we get in the faith or how often we look at this psalm it tells us god's way for us and it tells us what to avoid and what not to avoid and it tells us our destination and the road to eternal blessings and the road to eternal life well first of all there's some pitfalls that have to be avoided and that's what's in this psalm the first pitfall to to be avoided is to reject evil counsel. He said, blessed is man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now, the word blessed there is, it's a plural word in the Hebrew language. 
and it just means blessednesses, if you could translate it very literally, blessednesses. He said, if you walk not in the counsel of the wicked, you're going to have God's blessing. You're going to avoid things that, that would be very bad for you. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, and this blessedness is, is uh, what he is trying to turn us towards that. Well, first of all, he says the counsel of the wicked. Th- this advice is not from God, but is worldly advice that follows apart from God's counsel. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. And you'll notice that the wise man who's blessed by the Lord, he he figures out because he knows the word of God because that's coming up. He knows what God teaches and he knows what God wants for his life and he knows what the world is teaching. And if there's probably any time in our in our history as a nation, we're watching a culture of bad advice, a culture of evil advice, a culture of advice that runs counter to the word of God in just about every sphere that we can look at. And unfortunately, we have a whole generation coming up that are very confused is about where they're going and what's right and what's wrong. And they don't know God's counsel. So here he says, if you're, if you're going to make it into a blessed life, you've got to watch what you're listening to, the counsel you're listening to. The word for wicked in, in the Bible especially in the Old Testament here. It, it's, a, it's a word that gives us a glimpse into a life that says, Lord, I am not following you. I don't know who you are anyway. If you're, you don't even exist anyway. And we're, we're just called to do what we want to do and what we think is best. We're not listening to you. And that's the word wickedness. In the, in the Hebrew language, the word wicked is rasha, and it appears all over the Old Testament. Sometimes it's it's translated in our English Bible ungodly, and sometimes it's translated wicked. But it has the idea of somebody who is spiritually ignorant. They don't know God's word. They're trapped in their sin. They're often unkind and hateful. They definitely are untruthful and often dishonest and Maybe don't have all of these traits, but those are some of the traits of it. And there's a verse, Psalm 10, verses 3 through 4, which really kind of describes them. Psalm 10 boasts, he says, he boasts of the desires of his soul, and he renounces the Lord. The wicked does not seek him. And all of his thoughts are, there is no God. Does that sound like where we are in our culture. There is no God. They don't look to him. They don't ask for his opinion because they don't believe he uh, has any and that he exists. And really, that's where the wicked were. If you, many times in the Old Testament, as you look at that word wicked, right next to it is the word Righteous. But the righteous, but the righteous, but the righteous. There's an Old Testament word that's called Sadiq, and you don't need to remember that. But as I look at that, Jesus is the king of righteousness. And I, I have one little prop here that I brought with me. <laughs> it's a ruler. It's a really good ruler, too. It's really accurate. 
And righteousness, or Sadiq in the ancient Hebrew word, came from a ruler. It came from a, a, a device that you measure things with. And if you have a crooked ruler, you're in big trouble because if you build a house and your tools aren't right, you know what happens. Jesus is all of our righteousness that we need to get into heaven. He, God says, I will give you a gift of my son's righteousness. I will forgive your sins and I will declare you righteous in my presence. But you will have the righteousness of Jesus Christ as a gift on your soul. And if I, just in my own stead, take the righteousness of Jesus Christ and put it on the, on my life without Christ, I'm pretty crooked. That's what sinners are. They're crooked. But the righteousness of Jesus Christ is I've, I am gifted by God the gift of righteousness. And wickedness is on the total other side, crookedness. So you could say, wow, crookedness. But Jesus Christ is, is, is the whole standard of right. And he's my savior. And he has given me that. I can't, I, I've, I've been a rescue mission director for some, almost 39 years in, in a month and a half. And as I think about all the stories I've heard from people, and I said, so how did you get into being a crack addict where you can't do anything in life, your life is totally ruined? Well, he said, well, I was in a bar once with my a girl I had met and I had been dating, and we were, we were sitting there together, and she pulls out this thing and she says, I, I've got some crack today, a little nugget of, you know, crack, a little pipe that day. She said, let's do this, she said, because, you know, I've been doing it, and, and it's good. We, you want to do it? And he said, I don't know. I've ne- I, don't, I don't think so. I've never done that. She said, oh, no, no, this will be fine. This will be fine. So he said, I did it one time. He said, that was like 10 years ago, and I have not been able not to do it for those 10 years. That's all I live for. It's an insatiable desire. I said, and all it was was a, was a girl you hardly knew said to you, let's do this because it gives you a great time. But I have heard stories like that over and over and over and over again where people just, they take the worst advice you can think of. I remember this group of girls, the one girl said, well, we were all at a table at, at college. And there's a bunch of us, and we got down there, and we were sitting there. And one of us said, you know, why don't we just all live together with our boyfriends? And they went through all why they should do that. And then they basically all went out and did that. (laughs) And I said, counsel of the wicked, counsel of a sort. It doesn't look at the straight-line counsel of Christ, but they... And over and over and over again. No wonder the Bible in the psalm that first starts says to us, reject counsel that does not come from God. Our culture needs that in the worst, best way. That's why what we're doing here at King's is essential. That the word of God is taught in an expository way, exposing the entire text to the soul of man and saying, here's the way that you should follow. Because if we don't stand for that, who is going to? Because this culture has such tough stuff going on. You know, when it comes to abortion, we've had almost 63 million abortions since Roe Wade. 
And when we think of all the other decisions that we have now, and I've been watching some of it, and I'm thinking, Lord, where are we getting this? Because it's, it's the counsel of wickedness and ungodliness. So he tells them the first pitfall is that don't listen to bad counsel. King's Chapel, keep, keep strong in the counsel of God. That is the best thing we can do. Come next week, uh, ready to just take Isaiah from our great, the great prophet Isaiah. Our good pastor Lou is going to be in that. You're going to listen to counsel. You're going to find out, here's how God says do it. And I don't care what anybody else says, I'm following that. That's what we need. The second thing is, don't hang around the pathway of the ungodly. Nor stands in the path or way of sinners. They laugh at things that they thought once crude. They lower their standards. We have to be with them, but we can't be like them. We have to bring them to Christ. We have to befriend them, but we can't be hanging around the pathway of sinners. I've watched that happen over and over and over again. It, it, it's kind of a progression of, you know, you know, to, to put it, you know, as the scripture says here, it's, it's a progression. Of, you know, first of all, you're, you're listening to the council and then you're hanging around in it. And then finally, the last point you're going, we'll go on next week. But don't hang around the pathway of the, it's kind of like, you heard the council, then you kind of walk with them and you're standing with them, not against them, but you're standing in that council. We call it one who lingers and loiters. Or as the NLT says, no one uh, not to stand in the pathway of sinners. Oh, Lord, the irresistible force of the evil one at that level, lingering and loitering. As soon as I watch people who are, who are, they're not, haven't joined in totally, but they're sitting there and they're wanting to join in. And they, they want to be in with the crowd and they start getting dragged in. Don't hang around the pathway of the ungodly. That's why it's so important for us at the City Mission as we're helping somebody get away from that path of the ungodly activities to separate them out, to get them into a different part of the building, to get them into a different program, to get them so that they're not lingering on the, at the corners of that lifestyle. And if you find yourself there, just get out. If you find yourself situated where you're not quite sure who you're following and you're listening to bad counsel and now you're kind of lingering and loitering in, in the midst of that group, don't do it. Get away. And then lastly, uh, don't make fun of the things of the Lord. You say, what does that mean? He said, don't sit in the seat of the scorners or the scoffers. Because you'll be coming like that. And this is the third thing. It's, it's a denigration of the soul. So we're going to hang around a bit. We're going to stand around with them and loiter, deciding what, what our activity might be. And then finally, we just join in with them. We just actually do what they're doing. The blind leading the blind. Spurgeon calls them doctors of damnation. <laughs> because they openly ridicule and make fun of the truth of God's word. They say, you can't take that Bible stuff seriously. <laughs> I say, Lord, I'm hearing that over and over and over today when it comes to 
gender confusion, when it comes to confusion about what marriage is all about and so forth and so on. We could go on and on and on. You're hearing it in the news constantly. And they're making fun of the things of the Lord. They're scoffers. One of the, one of the unique stories in the Old Testament, it's found in Second Kings, is that they scoffed back then, but God had a, a weapon back then that they didn't know about. Elisha had come away from Jericho and Elijah had just been taken up and he's, and Elisha is walking towards Bethel to the northeast ready to take on the position of the mantle has been dropped on him. Elijah's in heaven, and now Elisha's going. And we know of at least 42 young men came out of the woods and started to harass him. (laughs) And we don't think, well, that's all right. Young boys make fun of people all the time in little groups and little mobs that they get involved with. We have a lot of that mob ridicule going on in our country today. But they started to come after him, and they said to him, you go up too. Go up. Go up, bald head. You say, well, bald head. I mean, some of us in here have bald heads. I mean, I'm losing here all the time. But so, No, it really was an insult to a Jewish man to talk like that to him. And it's also another thing. Basically, what they're saying, listen, we don't need your type around here. We don't need all that God stuff coming out of you. In fact, we don't like you. Go up. And they're mocking and scoffing him. And God says, well, you're not going to do that. So automatically out of the forest comes two bears. And they're mama bears, and they're not happy bears. And they maul and take care of these 42 of them. They didn't kill them, but they they beat them up bad. It was a lesson to them that said, don't scoff this prophet, because he's big time, and he's one of the fire-breathing prophets, and, and, and you scoff at him. And I always love that patch. I love bears anyway. But when I think of God, God's often sent different animals out like worms and bugs and like locusts and all kinds. They're all at his command. They go out and they can, they can make some trouble for you. And so the bear was on a mission from God and he dealt with the scoffers. Well, we won't tell you to go out and deal with scoffers that way. But he said, don't sit amongst them. And because all of a sudden, you're sitting there and you're there and say, yeah, that's right. I wouldn't do that either. Oh, no, that's not good. And you become a scoffer. That's, that's what he said. Don't do this. Because those are the pitfalls of living for the Lord and the pitfalls of this being on the road that's the right road. Well, there's also truth to embrace. This is the most beautiful part of this. His delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He just loves the scriptures. He loves the Bible. I find that when I get up in the morning, I read through the Bible every year, at least cover to cover, as well as with my own study and my own meditation reading and so forth. But I, I want to get up there. And when I get up in the morning, the first thing in my, my, my soul that says, okay, time for the scripture. It's time for the scripture. And I look at there and I say, Lord, I didn't see that. I've read this year after year after year. I didn't see that. And he gives you blessing 
and then others. I was just here, R.C. Sproul today on a pastor's on the way up in their car. I said, wow, I have preached that pastor's over and over again. I didn't realize that. And yes, I, I need that. The delight is in the law of the Lord. And if you find that you have no delight for the scripture, stop in your tracks and say, God, give me a love for your word and let me get in it and start now and let me get in and know the word. Because he says, I want to take delight in the word of God. It's, it's actually called, I want to take delight in the Torah. The first five books of the Bible. But later, the Torah meant anything that was God's will. In Israelite history, the Torah, after the Pentateuch was done and, and they had been there living it, it became, it became uh, just a, a, a word that meant God's corpus, his counsel to you. He said that we should delight in that. Oh, how I love thy law, David said. How sweet are thy words to my taste. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I often pray that prayer. When I went to Bible college, we had one professor that, that he would never start his class without that, that, that text. Open mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. You can pray, pray that every time you go to the Word if you want. Lord, open my eyes. Let me see the power and the wonders of your Word. We have a great God. What does the church need today? What does this world need? What do all of us need? We need this book, this ancient, wonderful Bible, because it is God's word is powerful. It's going to take, it's going to give you blessing. He, he, and he devotes himself to knowing that truth. It says on his law, he meditates day and night. Ruminate. If you're a farmer, you know what ruminate. Cows do it. They sit down, they eat, and then they go and they chew their cut. And they get as much nourishment out of that, 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 that food or that, that, that hay that they can get, that feed, the seeds and so forth. They, they ruminate. Musing on it. It it really comes from a Greek word that needs mutter. And you think, well, I don't like to mutter. Well, you see somebody over in the corner like, you ever see anybody talking to themselves? Somebody says, okay, yeah, my husband does that all the time. Muttering. Concentrated thought, though. You'll see Jews doing this. Herbert used to be in here doing this. Remember, we had the Herbert rabbi, a wonderful man that was a rabbi for 40 years, came to truth, and the Savior was at my mission, and I loved him. But what they're doing often, especially those who know Christ, is that they're, they're meditating on the word, and they're taking it, and they're thinking, yes, Lord, that verse, that verse, and, and they're in a deep state of meditation. Lord, just help us to meditate. Help us to bring it back up and to muse on it and recite it and memorize it. Concentrated thought. May the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, the psalmist said. Day and night, it means all the time, continually. Read it with a plan, memorize it, make it part. When you have time, think about God's word. It'll change your life when you're doing that. You, you can't have the world's cultural symbol and, and, you, and you're doing it and all of a sudden you come across in the Bible and it says, no, I don't want you to even think that way. Here's what I want you to be. And you say, I know who I'm following. This holy, wonderful book. I'm going to delight in it. And there are blessings to enjoy. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water. 
that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. He has stability. And he has fruitfulness. Back in the day of which this psalm was written, quite often the trees were planted, fruit trees were planted with, with trenches between them that were full of water. That's how they irrigated some of them. And other times he may be just talking about a tree that grows by a stream. Roots go down deep. And then the tree goes up tall and strong. And with trees that are... So you have stability and fruitfulness. The Holy Spirit, often in Scripture, is water. It's the one that we go... Colossians 2, 7 says, Therefore, if you have received Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. We're rooted in Jesus Christ. He has planted us in a stable location in Christ. Our hearts are in him. And also, we provide fruit regularly because God makes you strong so that you provide fruit and you're a fruitful person. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As we bring the lost to Christ and as we bring goodness and blessing, as you talked about the mattresses today, Pastor, bringing out their blessing somebody says i don't even have a place to i don't even have a place to lay my head because that's where what we're doing a lot of people i meet say pastor i i don't even have a i don't, I don't have a bed i'm just sleeping on the floor right now our city mission is i was working yesterday with architects drawings and we are getting we're planning now a brand new building again behind us, a, a building so we can take 125 people off of mats on the floor and put them in the beds at the city mission. We've been sleeping way too many people on the floor. And I'm thinking, Lord, just keep us fruitful, keep us strong so we are strong so we can help people who are struggling at the very bottom of things. So, Lord, help us to do that. Stability and fruitfulness. King's Chapel the more fruit we bear, the more fruitful we are, the more this community will say, that's what I need. I've already had enough of the world and all of its advice and all of its mocking and all of its terrible ways. I want to be like that. Be fruitful, King's Chapel. Be fruitful. God will use it. And you're going to be prospering where you're planted. Its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. You're going to be green, green leaf people. Nothing worse than going outside and your favorite plants and vegetables and everything else are all dark brown, the leaves. <laughs> you think, ah, I got to water it, I got to do this, I got to do something. <laughs> he says, your leaf will not wither in the Lord. And what you do, it's a vibrant faith. It refreshes. And that's what God's spirit wants us to be. Prospering where we're planted. And it doesn't mean he's going to give you always the Mercedes that you've been always wanting or those types of things. But it does mean that what he does in your life, there will be a prospering, even in tough times. You'll say, Lord, thank you. It's been tough. But I was so glad you came here last night on the way home. Some wonderful prayers that he's been answering for me in tough times and things. And I said, Lord, thank you. You're here. You arrived. You showed up. You've done. You're working in my life. You're making me prosper. And right, when right now, I'm happy, Lord. If you take me home right now, I'd say, thank you, Lord. You've been with me every step of the way. You've made me prosperous. You've made me a, a blessing. You've given me a blessing. And then you said, now go out and be a blessing. 
That was the road to eternal blessing, the eternal life. We get to the road of eternal loss. The Bible says the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. The wicked are spiritually bankrupt without any value in their life towards heaven. Well, they have they have many accomplishments sometimes. They're spiritually bankrupt without value when it comes to heavenly things. You know that chaff when you take a piece, you take the grain, the wheat. Before you can get to that seed, where you pound it down and make bread out of it, you got to take off that outer core. And the farmers in the Old Testament times, they would just, you know, they would, they would run, run a sled of, of, of different sharp objects like rocks over top of it so it cut the, cut the grain up so that the kernels of grain would be separated from the, the chaff, the outside protecting thing. And the kernel would be left. You know, if you're at a ball game, what do you do with the peanut shells? When you're, you know, you're sitting there and you got all these peanut shells, where you lay them down on the, on the, you throw them on the floor, right? You can't eat them. And if you try to eat them, you'll quickly realize you'll spit them out because there's absolutely no value to them. They help the peanuts grow, and once they did that, then, then they are done. That's what chaff is. The godless are opposed to the word of God and God have, and they have chosen a lifestyle that has no redeeming value in his eyes as far as eternal life. In fact, they are totally without faith in Jesus Christ our Savior. They continue on in their defiance and sin and have no spiritual value. They're like chaff because when they stand in the judgment, God will say there's no redeeming value and my son has not forgiven you. He's not paid for your sins. You, you haven't turned from your sin into Christ. And now in your soul, you have eternal life from Christ. They don't have that. They're chaff, which is blown away. And when the farmer took his pitchfork, as it were, his winnowing fork and threw it in the air and the breeze, the chaff blew away. And what came down that had the value was the kernels of wheat, which would be ground and made into bread. He said, you're chaff. He said, that's pretty tough. I didn't say that. The Lord said the wicked are spiritually bankrupt. The wicked are not so. They're like chaff. Someday they won't have any standing in God's eyes or in his kingdom. They will, they will stand condemned in God's court. They're unable... They're unable to stand when the judgment comes. They'll be there. In fact, in the book of Revelation, chapter uh, 20, where we find that they stand before God, I saw a great white throne, and on him who was seated on it, from his presence the earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of what is written in the book. The sea gave up the dead. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's the judgment that 
is the terrible judgment of Scripture against sin, and especially against anybody whose name is not written in Jesus Christ Lamb's book of life. And that's why he said that they have no they have no uh, value, and they, they can't stand when the judgment comes. They will not be able to have anything that will cover them. And you know what? Romans 8 says, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's how I'll get through the judgment. The only way you'll get through the judgment at that great last day. And I won't be there at that judgment. The only way I'm going to avoid it is in Jesus Christ. I have no condemnation in him. And then the wicked are excluded from the family of God. In fact, it says, sinners will not be in the congregation of the righteous. Now, we're in a congregation here. It's a bit, or, it's a bit smaller right today because of some of the COVID stuff going on. But a bunch of you are all, I know you're all at home listening on, on, on the, the electronic piece of this. But there is an exclusion that's coming. The family of God gets together in heaven. When, when, when the saints of all the ages are joined together, I love that old song that they sing at football games. When the saints go marching in, I want to be in that number. When the saints go marching in, and not, it's not the uh, saints football game team either. When the saints go forth, the Bible says nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he's saying, sinners who don't know Christ and you have rejected him and actually in your heart mainly said, there is no God, I'll do what I want to do. That's what we read earlier on. And so you won't be in that number when the saints go marching in. He said you won't be in the congregation of the righteous. That's a tough ending for anybody. And then lastly, we have verse 6. Verse 6 is the what I would call the kind of summary of this chapter. You have, you have six verses. The roads that lead to eternity, because you're going to have eternal destiny one way or another. And then you have, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. That's what he says in there. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. I'm so glad that he does. Christ said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. The good shepherd steps in and he says, I know my sheep. He says here in this, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows where you're going because you're his. He knows what road you're on because you've given your heart to him. He knows all about your destination to be in heaven with him. He says, because I'm going to give you eternal life and no one can take you away from you. You can't snatch them out of this, this sheep out of the shepherd's hands. So isn't that great that God knows you? You don't have to wonder, you don't have to even, you've put your faith in Christ, you've turned in repentance from your sin, and you said, Jesus, I'm crooked, but you're straight. You, you, you have a new way for me to go, and I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Once that happens in your life, God says he's mine. 
Jesus said, I know that sheep. He's mine. And I'm going to give them eternal life, which he's done. And they will never perish. Praise the Lord for that. The wicked, though, their way, they will perish. The life on earth is all that there is for them. They're judged and end up in torment away from God forever. That's that's what the scripture tells us. And it's a bad way. That's the one road is to glory with our Savior. The other way is a road that leads to eternal damnation and loss. That's why the psalm, this psalm is so wonderful, because it says this is the way it is. You've got one road that's going in a very bad direction. You've got one road that's going towards me, and it's a road. That's the good news. As we conclude, you say, wow, so the wicked are really having it bad off then. They are, because they've chosen a path that you're on the wrong road. You ever been on the wrong road? And you say, wow, i got to turn around. This is no good. As one person said, what do you call a, a, a person who is on the wrong road and just keeps going anyway? And the wife said, no, my husband. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, if you're on the wrong road, God says there's a way off that road. And it's going to be in that wonderful book of Isaiah 55, 7. Here's what God says. It's his invitation. He says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And when you talk to people who don't know Christ and you say, man, this person is all confused about simple things in Scripture where God says, don't do that, do it this way. And they're all confused. Tell them the good news. God wants them to turn, turn and turn to him by repentance. Because the good news is that Jesus Christ died for them. The good news is that he, he died for all of us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever t- believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The way, the truth, and the life. The way is a good old Greek word, hadas. We use it in our English language when we say ex hadas, exodus, hadas. It means the road. Jesus said, I am the road to eternal life. There is no other. And some people say, well, that's pretty narrow-minded. That's pretty exclusive. It's the truth. When we go through Jesus Christ, we're not just going to a way of, of life that one preacher preached, but we're going to the road to eternal life through his very heart. It's having Christ Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Oh, Lord, blessed is the man. Blessings in the man. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And if you're here today and maybe you're saying, you know, I've been living like a, just a, like a wicked person, like there is no God, that the, the Holy Scriptures have not been my delight. Oh, um, I can take them or leave them. They're not my delight. And that's what he says we need. They need to be your delight. And once you start, you will never, ever, ever regret what you have when you start earning from the Scriptures and learning from them and saying, wow, this is incredible. And we're all at different levels. 
It's okay. Wherever level you are in the scriptures, whether it's just in the ABC level or whether you've been with it for a long time, meditation and the word of God will become your delight. And you'll be able in a moment know when somebody's giving you advice that's the way of the wicked. You'll, you'll know it. You'll say, no, 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 no. That's not what my word. That's not what Christ told me. Don't go that way. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your blessing upon our lives. We thank you for this psalm. Lord, we can get lost so quickly on this life. But thank you for Jesus, our Savior, as we, as we grow and as we delight in your word. And Lord Jesus, as we head, that we make sure that we've given you our heart and our life. And Jesus, you've saved us from our sin. And Lord, for those who are on that road, that very broad road that leads to destruction, help us to reach them. Because you are compassionate and ready to forgive and ready to help them towards eternal life if they will turn to you. And so, Lord, we thank you for this psalm. It reminds us that keep going on that narrow road with Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.